Hello and welcome back to Spooky Bad Pilots. Um, we're we're getting there, folks. We're almost at the end of October. I am your host, Dan Brio. Today we watched just a really weird acid trip of a kid show from 1971. I don't know how else to put it, other than that. We watched the hilarious House of Frightenstein. As always, I am joined by my co-host Aiden Doust. Uh, Aiden, I told you very little about <laughs> what we watched tonight. What did you think? Uh, I'm still processing this, but uh, I just, you know, you, you said not to Google anything, but I'm so sorry. I did Google a little bit, and I think they filmed this in Transylvania because of the tax credits is what I read. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy cheap over there. It's You wouldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> you know, we, you got to do a co-pro whenever you can. So. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, this is a, a, first of all, I don't think we've ever ever done a kid show before on the podcast, but I think this is also easily the oldest show that we've ever done, having premiered in 1971. So did it, like, did it feel super dated? A hundred percent. Like, I feel the, one of the notes I made was that kids, and I guess just everyone's attention span back then was, everyone was way more patient, because if you premiered this now... I'd be changing the channel like 30 seconds. It's just, they drag on the same jokes, the same points they're making. The show itself feels like three hours long in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that was was the first thing that stood out to me is just the pacing of this is agonizing. All right. Well, I I see our very special guest today nodding their head and they also, uh, saw this back in the day when it was actually on TV. So you can get their, uh, their fresh take on it. Uh, please welcome to the podcast. Very special guest, uh, friend and artist Quincy Raby. Quincy, hilarious house of Frightenstein. What's your just like general take? What if we just start with like a general opinion? It it is it would never get made today ever. Um, I think I think that goes without saying. And I you know I watched it again doing some research, and it is just as disturbing today as it is like as it was seeing it as effectively a toddler um, yeah. in the seventies. Because like the thing is like it was in syndication everywhere. It was on yeah. every single channel. So you saw it after school for years and years and years. You saw it like late at night. Because uh, it played in the U.S. towards more the college crowd, but like in Canada, it was for kids, and I think that explains a lot about my generation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Do you, do you so do you do you then have like a distinct memory of seeing it for the first time and being like, uh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I don't remember really seeing it the the first time, but I do remember when I sort of became aware of it, and I think I was like three years old, and that was about the time. I would be left alone for like longer stretches to watch TV by myself. So, you know, and I had the remote and, you know, like my stoic German grandparents, like the one thing that they were pretty (laughs) loose about was like cable TV, right? Because they were like, you don't understand it. And like, I don't know if you've seen or read any German fairy tales. Oh, yeah. Right. So they were like, oh, yeah, no, she's good. And it was I just I remember it being scary, but kind of like persevering through it but i remember like usually when griselda would come on the witch i'd have to like peace out because it was too much but yeah like it's um it's still it's remarkably creepy and that's interesting what you were saying um about like i i could also like it felt like i watched it for six days and i think i got like Like, i was like oh no this is so long so was this like as is this is an this was 
what was aired. Like, this is not like a weird fan edit where they slice in like 10 seconds of footage no. one time. Okay. So that was throwing me off because some bits would be like 10 seconds long. It'd be one, like a one note joke, like that disco Superman, which I wanted to see. If I wanted to see anything longer, it would have been the disco Superman. Yeah. Well, fun um, fact. That's yep. actually the the creator of the show, Mitch Markowitz. Oh, uh, and well, okay. technically, also it was his brother Rafe who created it with him. But uh, yeah, Hippie Superman is uh, is Mitch Markowitz, who Quincy and I both met. So there's a bit of a story here, and that's the reason why we selected this episode as the one for us to talk about here on the pod. But before I dive into that, I do just want to give the listeners at home a little bit of an overview as to what exactly this show is. So. The hilarious. Does type. anybody know though? Like no, before no, you pe- say that, do we do we know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like having hilarious- watched that, do you know what this is about? <laughs> I. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, well, I can tell the people what this show is supposed to be about. <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, so The Hilarious House of Frightenstein premiered on CHCH-TV. That is a local Ontario uh, network based out of Hamilton. It premiered in 1971, but, and this is crazy, they shot all 105 episodes in 1970, like the year before. They just, they shot it in the span of like nine months. <laughs> and uh, Billy Van, the guy who plays the main, uh, like like the count, he also plays Griselda. He also plays the zookeeper guy. He also plays like almost every single other character, the Wolfman, you name it. So <laughs> it's really just Billy Van and this other guy playing Igor in a studio in Hamilton for nine months with, <laughs> oh with all these costumes and makeup. And they didn't license shit. They didn't license any of the rock songs that they played. They didn't license the likeness of the Wolfman or Frankenstein, both of whom are heavily featured throughout the show. So apparently this series is like as beloved as it is to people who grew up in Canada watching it. It's impossible to re-release because of uh, all the copyright uh, infringement and stuff. But I read this is on Crave now. Yeah. Really? Yeah, they. Wow. I think they managed to clear it, or or maybe do a little bit of a butcher to it. I, I'd right. love to see it. I don't have Crave, but they would have. Like, it's like seeing you know episodes of WKRP <laughs> now, where like they had to clear out all the music. Right. Like, like, imagine like <laughs> Earth was in fire, <laughs> <laughs> like turning this on and be like, "This is weird." Wait, what the fuck is that? <laughs> is that September being played in the background? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I didn't know that Crave got it because that kind of is a good segue into Quincy, our story. So you and I were both working at Vice at the time, and you were the director of programming at Vice, or I don't know what your official title was. It always shifted. Head of head of channel operations, um, which included programming and also like just looking for projects to do. And I mean, at that point, you know, we, we started in, you know, your boss at the time, um, Chantel was with us. And we were like, well, maybe, you know, like, would they be willing to do like a reboot or, you know, what about a licensing deal or can we intercut it with something like, Mm -hmm. you know, let's let's just check it out. And so I had gotten his contact information through Ed the Sock, incidentally. Oh, my God. Um, You know, so Steve put me in touch. And, uh, you know, so Chantel, I said, like, hey, we've got this opportunity to go out and meet the the guy that owns the rights to Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Do you want to go? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And then Dan came bounding up to my desk. It's the <laughs> only way to describe it. Um, and you were like, hey, I hear you're going to Super Hippie's house from Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Can I come? I was like, yeah. sure. 
So we all get in my car and go out to Richmond Hill. And I do want to preface this by saying, like, Mitch, is, he's an incredibly lovely man. He's mm-hmm. incredibly gracious. But, like, we were there for, what, five hours? Oh, my God. So long. So, like, one episode of Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, like, he, you know, so we, we had the meeting. And, like, pretty early on in the meeting, it became apparent, like, your price point's too high. We're probably not going to continue with this. <laughs> but we came all this way. And, you know, like Dan and I at least were expecting like, oh, you've got like costumes because he said he had a museum and stuff. So he brings us downstairs into his basement, which is sort of like this ad hoc museum of sorts of like weird TV memorabilia. So he's got and the only hilarious House of Frankenstein item is like a life size model of Igor wearing the costume, which is terrifying. terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, that house was... uh... Like he called it a museum, but um, it's it's just like a hoarder basically. And like I guess he had some things organized and stuff, but like it was so bizarre, man. It was just this this labyrinth of like television memorabilia uh, spanning decades. I remember he had a whole like fast food room. Do you remember yeah, this in the, the Coca Cola room? That was all. Yeah, it was like McDonald's and Coca Cola toys from like the 50s onward it just was absolutely insane he had a mannequin that was wearing like a sweater that mary tyler moore wore (laughs) (laughs) whoa i really feel like that house goes into a different portal or dimension because like i feel like that house was like fifty thousand square feet it only looked about three thousand square feet when we pulled up but remember we went he took us upstairs and showed us his um he made robots oh my god Oh my God, I'd forgotten that. You're like unlocking memories. <laughs> made the robot. I do. Like, yeah. It started and he's cool. like, oh, I, He's like, I made this one for my wife and it like kind of looks like her. It was like, a, <laughs> it was very weird. Oh. <laughs> it was, um, but yeah, super, super nice guy. Very generous. <laughs> so he just, lovely. Uh, he, he had like a story for like every single one of these artifacts. And so that's why we were there for so long. But yeah, I I think the goal was to, as you mentioned, I think we wanted to like potentially license the series uh, and maybe just have it as like stoner programming at like 2 a.m. or something or or even see if you don't want to reboot it or, or anything like that, really. But so, yeah, anyway, interesting to see that, uh, I guess, Crave sort of uh, struck up a deal with him, I suppose. I just read somewhere that they, they there is a reboot of Hilarious House of Frankenstein coming up. Like, I just read about that this week, which is pretty yeah. cool. So I'm interested to see what they do with it mm. now. Like, looking at, I can't believe it's 46, 42 minutes runtime. So I'm hoping they make it shorter. But yeah, so, it, it sounds really interesting. It, it turns out it's going to be called The Happy House of Frankenstein. Right. And it is a kid's show. And it's being produced by Marble Media, which is another huh. local uh, production company uh, founded by some uh, RTA grads also, Aiden. Uh, I think oh. I remember having them in like a lecture of mine back in the day. Represent. Um, to sort of talk about what they were doing. But uh, yeah, so funny that it's coming back as a kid's show. I do have to wonder how many parents out there will actually remember the original Frightenstein because you're right it was in syndication for forever apparently it was on YTV even at some point so huh yeah there are possibly some adults who will remember the original show as their kids discover the new uh, cartoon version this was totally out of my reference zone completely but like I will say midway through like I, I don't know maybe like 15 minutes in it clicked for me that this was a children's show like really late 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> really, really you were, like waiting for the like the really intense like adult drama to kick in. Well, like, I just thought this was like gonna be a creepy sort of like SCTV, like a spooky uh, SCTV kind of energy. Gotcha. And then when they started repeating words and, you know, the diction was very intense and you very, you started to realize that, oh, they're like trying to educate you on, you know, an otter, uh, in, in, in an otter's oh, lifestyle. <laughs> I, w- I also love that with like the zookeeper. He's in the middle of the jungle, could literally talk about anything, <laughs> literally any animal in the world. He's like, I'm going to talk about a, like a freshwater otter, you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, too, with the the otter bit. It really reminded me of that Steve Zahn comedy, Strange Wilderness, where he's like a David Attenborough type, like looking at, you know, animals in the wild. But he's really just like, uh, yeah, this the, you know, otters are known for being brown. And uh, <laughs> just like li- listing off, just like riffing. Again, guys, they they filmed 105 episodes in nine months. So that's I, insane. Yeah. Also, all the all the Vincent Price stuff. Apparently, they just flew him out, and he did all of his segments in like four days. Yeah. King. Imagine Vincent Price is like, "Honey, I'm flying to Hamilton, Ontario." <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Right. Cool. <laughs> Um, this is like pre-thriller, uh, Vincent Price also, so. True, yeah. Big get. But yeah, I guess like the thing that didn't connect for me is as a child, I, you know, as many children are, like I, the last thing I wanted to, to watch is anything kind of gothic and creepy and weird. Like, um, you know, or like later on when I was a preteen, I'd watch like, you know, Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark and some like 90s CanCon classics, but if I'm like Sesame Street age, I feel like this would be extremely off-putting. And Quincy, like, it seems like you kind of felt that way as well. Like, is that not the case for like, is there a weird kind of warped nostalgia for this? Or did people like legitimately love this growing up? Uh, I think you nailed it, actually. I think there's a warped, um, like a a warped sense of, you know, of kind of fondness for it when really like back in the day. And I mean, I'm not afraid of much. And also too, like in the 70s and earlier and so forth, like horror culture was fairly regular, right? Like, you know, you had comic books, you were sent away for horror masks, you know, horror movies, slashers, except like it's it's all sort of in that time frame. Um, but at the same time, like <clears throat> it really did have the feeling it always whenever I tuned into it, I always felt like I was watching something that the older kids on the street would probably that for them. So I think a lot of us watched it sort of out of a pressure and also not realizing that maybe some of the older teenagers that we were hanging out with were watching it because they were high, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it sort of works on two levels there. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, you know, looking back on it, like it, you know, everyone goes like, ah, it's really, really neat. And it's super campy, but like, no, it was terrifying as shit. Like as a toddler, like for sure, you know? So yeah, that librarian character, like if you told me that was like a villain in Loki, I'd believe you. Like it is legitimately scary and off-putting. Absolutely. Because the camera quality is so bad, too, that it makes the makeup just, like, look that much uh, freakier. Like, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, like, a, a strange effect going on, I feel. So, okay, just curious, because I know, uh, like, uh, Quincy, when we worked together and, and we started getting to know each other, 
like horror films and just kind of creepy shit like this. Like that's sort of what we initially, I think, bonded over a bit more. So, you know, you saw Frightenstein when you were like three, apparently. What were some of the other, whether it's shows or movies growing up? You know, this is like a, this is the Halloween uh, edition of the podcast. We've been talking about sort of like horror TV all month long. What are some other uh, shows and movies that sort of informed that uh, that taste for you where you were like, ooh, I think I, I think I like this creepy shit? I, you know, I don't really, I don't think it's one, I think the creepy came later. It was sort of like being attracted to, you know, strange kind of camp, like what is it? Um, mm-hmm. And that describes 70s TV to a T. Like you have to think about, it was the time where like Sid and Marty Croft kind of ruled Saturday morning TV. And plus you had a whole like morning dedicated. Now we have whole channels and so forth. So that was the only fix we got all week. Right. So, you know, it was, it was really a special occasion, especially when you saw like even having like cartoons come on once a year, you know, a few times a year at like holiday time, <clears throat> that was a big deal. But like, I will say, you know, stuff like holiday or like Frankenstein is a really extreme case, but then you look at other things and I don't know if you've ever come across like, um, Captain Cool in the Kongs, which was, no. uh, so let's research that. Okay. <laughs> and that was like, you know, part of like the seventies morning variety shows for kids on Saturday morning TV. And it was like, I remember the first season, like they must've gotten notes cause the first season, like they came out hard and it was like almost like kiss makeup and they looked like demons and they were rockers and they were really, really like kind of scary cause kiss was still scary then. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, you know, and then the second season, like they took off the makeup and like, so they must have like just pumped the brakes a little bit. So like, you know, the progression definitely got softer, but like, no, like all of it is nightmare fuel, Frightenstein, nightmare fuel, Puffin stuff, nightmare fuel, sea monster, nightmare fuel, lost in space, nightmare fuel. Like, (laughs) no, you know, so like if you have a whole generation of Gen Xers who are sort of apathetic and like, you know, eating chips while the world is burning, it's like, that's why, you know, because it's like, you know, Uh, I'm like, yeah, what are are some of your favorite horror shows and movies? And you're like, no, that's just growing up in the 70s. It's just all of it, I would say. Yeah, no, nothing's as scary as what we just watched. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, well then, here's maybe a different way of rephrasing that question. So uh, much of what you do now, because you know you were at Vice and you did some some programming there, and you, you did some licensing of movies and stuff for the channel. Yep. And now you're over at Hollywood Suite, where you do some of that as well. Here's a hypothetical. Well, it's not so much hypothetical, I suppose, because it is actually coming up in, in a couple of days. But it's Halloween night, okay? And you got to program one movie for people to watch right at, you know, what, peak Halloween hours. Like, at, you know, 9 p.m. They've You know, they got their candy. This is what, this is like the movie they're strapping in for, for the night. What is the, what is the Halloween movie that you would pick for people to watch on Halloween? So if I was if I was given the programming reins for Halloween, it would be a toss up uh, between going like the like Halloween three does not get enough season of the witch. Yeah, that just disappeared. It's a creepy movie and it's a complete departure. And it's like I kind of know what to expect from my like I'm bored. So, you know, there's that one. And then the other one is Exorcist 3, which I'm sorry, still to this day maintains the scariest scene of all time for me anyway in a movie. But what's the scene? 
I ah, you know what? I don't want to ruin it for you. Ah, I don't think I've ever seen Exorcist three. Wow. Okay. I believe it's on Hollywood Suite, not this month, but it is in our library, so it's probably coming back. Um, yeah, the the programmers at Hollywood Suite have actually really amped it up this year, and we've gotten you know, and and, sh- and movies like that too, which were vaulted for a long time, are starting to come mm-hmm. out. But those would I'd say would have to be the two. I'd say Exorcist for scary, and and Halloween three just for weird. Wow. Okay. I got to check that out. Aiden, you and I, we watched uh, Halloween three years ago because uh, How Did This Get Made covered it for, for their podcast. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Season yeah, of the yeah. Witch. Yep. You're right. It has that song that's like, <laughs> eight more days till Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to. Yeah, anyway, uh, but they do that like 20 times in the, show, in the movie. It's insane. Uh, how about you, Aiden? Same question. I mean, I would pick something that I can pause every two minutes because there's going to be trick-or-treaters at my door you guys oh so i'd probably pick frightened (laughs) nine um (laughs) that's a really good question i don't know um hmm. if i'm isolated and we're all together watching a flick and we're trying to get in the spooky season spirit Mm -hmm. i would and this is a very basic answer you guys i apologize in advance but Still to this day, the movie that has scared me the most, uh, that would be uh, Hereditary, I think. Is probably oh, wow. My, okay, so you're going my, straight for the... I'm going straight spook energy. Yeah, but yeah. I will say, if we're all kind of binging, I mentioned this earlier, like a Goosebumps or like an anthology, like a, like a kid's anthology, a horror anthology series would be also yeah. a great pick because you're, you're all kind of having fun. If this is a group of people, you're all having a laugh, you know. Um, but... Um, now that my brain is going, uh, I've been revisiting old um, Twilight Zone episodes. Oh yeah, and those are legitimately terrifying. Still, and and you know, part of that is because of the the production. It's the 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 black and white, you know, sixties fifties era um, production really adds to the kind of eeriness of it. But um, yeah, it's still like the storytelling in those those episodes are still incredible. Any uh, any specific episodes you want to shout out? Because I've always wanted to get into the Twilight Zone. I actually have the box set on Blu-ray. Yeah. Because uh, I, I went home. I was, visited my dad one day, and he had it. And he was like, do you want this? And I was like, sure. Uh, but I never really bothered to check it out. So if you were to direct me to specific episodes, is there one? Basically, if if you Google, like, greatest Twilight Zone episodes, like, original series, like, those are all valid I don't want Google.com's <laughs> opinion, Aiden. I want yours. Like the Shatner, like Nightmare at 20,000 Feet yeah. is... Oh, that's a like, classic. There's a reason why that's always, you know, brought up in the list, because that's incredible, but... Also, speaking of Shatner in the stratosphere, he is, uh... He just blasted off to space today. So. He literally did, yeah. <laughs> that's, a real, that's a real thing that happened in 2021. <laughs> uh, 90-year-old William Shatner just, uh... Went to space courtesy of Elon Musk. Uh, yes, oldest person ever in space. Shouts out him. Yeah. And you know that was like zero G probably feeling great on those joints. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> 1,000%. But, uh, one, one more episode. I know we're, we're getting all this, but one more Twilight Zone episode mm-hmm. is, uh, I believe, it, I just confirmed it is called Eye of the Beholder. Um, amazing episode uh, just because of the prosthetics. It's um, a person wakes up and uh, – the definition of beauty is completely different from oh yeah from uh, his, his version of reality. So or their version of reality. Right. I have heard of this one. Yeah, that's a great episode too. It's the one where they like unwrap their face at the end, and it's like uh, yeah, I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin. Yeah, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, 
Twilight Zone. Incredible. Excellent. Yeah, I, I there's something to be said about the um, I guess like every episode of Twilight Zone is like a little creepy, but I always loved the Halloween episodes of like non-Halloween shows, you know, like whenever a sitcom sure. had a Halloween episode, particularly The Simpsons, you know, obviously Treehouse of Horror, very fun annual tradition. Uh, but also like that 70s show always had really great Halloween episodes. I thought, um, you know, The Office has a few just like all those like classic network sitcoms whenever they would come out with one. I, I thought that was very fun. There should be Halloween episodes of like game shows. Oh, that'd be fun. Like Steve Harvey's like, we surveyed 300 <laughs> Americans. Name the treat you don't want to see in your, <laughs> in, your, in your pumpkin bucket. Survey says. Oh, uh, Nick and Grandma. <laughs> what? what? He's always like, and he does the classic Steve Harvey. Yeah, the Steve Harvey look. <laughs> have you, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a bit of a tangent, but uh, Quincy, have you or anyone you know ever been on a game show? Yes, I know somebody Ooh. who won a car. I, th- I think won the showcase showdown on a game show. My friend Brian <laughs> Dunn. Yeah, for sure. Wait, how does how does showcase showdown work? It's been a long time, but um, I think it's when you hear. So you you get to the finals, and it's the two people who like do the big spinny wheel thing on the prices, right? Yep. Yeah. Technical term. And then the, <laughs> the two winners of that, like on two halves, they then play against each other. And it's the same bidding thing. And whoever's closest without going over wins. And he won. And he won a car wow. and a bunch of other stuff. But like most of those prizes go unclaimed because you've got to pay the tax to get them right. anywhere. Um, wow. So he did. And he did the math on it. And then I think he brought it home and sold it. But I don't know. But anyway, yes, he is on. Uh, he's on the prices, right? Killing it. Oh, my God. That's a great story. That's incredible. Dan, you and I just watched that stupid game show answers um, segment where somebody spins the prices right wheel and it just keeps spinning for like <laughs> literally yeah. like two minutes. <laughs> we it was over a few nights ago and we were just like, you know, drinking and eating like chips as we always do. Or whatever. <laughs> and, Get and a like, little crazy. Trying, trying to figure out what, what like dumb video to watch next on YouTube. You know, we just watched like some meme compilation and he was like, yo, 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 type in uh, funny game show answers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was one of them. But I, th- I believe that was like a Serbian uh, version of Price is Right. It was yep. like an, it was an international uh, version of the format. So yep. they're speaking some other language. Drew Carey's still hosting that, though. <laughs> Drew Carey's been hosting for, like, 15 years. Yeah, he's been at it for a while, eh? That's crazy. It doesn't feel right to me since Bob Barker died, which oh, I know is, yeah. like, a thousand years ago, but, yeah. Yeah, RIP the GOAT. Do you, do, okay, so this is a really dumb question, but I, I want uh, you guys to take this seriously because this is an honest question. Was okay. the reason that he always said, get, like, he was very pro- <laughs> Get your dog spayed and neutered because his last name was Barker. Like, is that how that happened? <laughs> is that how that happened? I'm being uh, honest, you guys. Uh, is that the genesis of his? I don't his know. Cause? Actually, you know I, what? If it's not true, though, I just say we like we make it we make it true. We just start telling yeah, people that. Like, did you know? Yeah. Starting <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, guys! This is how rumors start. Okay, we gotta, you know, you can be careful. <laughs> so. Just, just keep calling him Dog Barker too. <laughs> yeah, Dog Barker said that. <laughs> <laughs> be funny if he just hated pets and he was just like, "Oh my god, I, these things need to stop procreating. <laughs> yeah. Enough is enough." 
but no, in, in all seriousness, yeah, maybe it was the Barker thing. Or if not, I wonder if they had like pet endorsements on the show or like products, pet products or something. Or... <laughs> Sponsored by the Cocker Spaniels of America. <laughs> Actually, not even like Purina, just like dog breeds. <laughs> speaking of which, the Cocker Spaniel on Frightenstein for that one animal segment, super cute. Uh, look, yeah. he does look terrified. Yeah, 100%. I wonder if that was just like a PA or a camera op or something. They were like, can someone bring their dog in for his segment? I've always wondered that. I'm like, where did you get the animals from? Imagine the pre-production on this show. Like if they're shooting nine months in a row, like, sorry, what pre-production? Yeah. Facts. This did seem, this did seem like a, uh, like a local access show with like a cable budget. It, it was sort of like they they rented an old house, um, apparently, and that's where they they shot and sort of held up. Um, and apparently the rumor is that the writers, uh, they mm. held a spaghetti and champagne dinner at the Windsor Arms <laughs> Hotel and invited a bunch of their fun. You can look this up on Wikipedia and wow. invited a bunch of their funny friends. We should have asked him this. Um, and they just basically had an intern come in and write down everything that they said. And this oh is God. what happened. But like, you know, it's sort of like when I sent you my pink lady and Jeff thing, it's like, there was a lot yeah. of alcohol and cocaine in yeah. TV, I suspect at the time. So we maybe hadn't hit the, like the cocaine because it's early seventies, but like alcohol, 100% was involved in this. Oh yeah. Well, you it, don't it, think of an idea like that big purple cookie monster. If you're not on drugs, no, no, that doesn't just come not. naturally. That was just something that they had like hallucinated one day and then they had a cost. <laughs> they described it to a costume designer. Um, but Quincy, you just mentioned the pink lady and Jeff. And I just, I do want to give the listeners a little bit of context there because we had tried to record an episode a while back and I asked you what show you wanted to talk about. And you, su- <laughs> you suggested this one, uh, pink lady and Jeff, which is a variety show also from the seventies, but yes, also absolutely batshit insane <laughs> and completely fueled by cocaine. So in, in like a couple sentences, like what, yeah, what's the deal with that show? It was, um, two Japanese superstar pop sensations only in Japan called pink oh, lady. Shit. And for some reason in 1979, they had a crossover hit in North America and the president of the network, uh, at the time, I think it was CBS fell in love with them and thought like, oh, this is great, you know, because he saw a video of them. He saw a news report of them on like the the Sunday evening news with Walter Cronkite. Like it was one of those like feel good at the end of the Sunday night news things before <laughs> 60 minutes. And he was like, oh, this would make a great show. And he uh, brought them over and um, they didn't speak a word of English. Um, but nobody thought to figure this out before the contracts were signed and they made this whole show. So they were like, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just like, we'll, we'll fly them over and they'll learn all their stuff by rote and we'll put an, a funny like comedian guy who will sort of tie it together. And it was a train wreck. <laughs> oh my no, God. No, really? They recorded six yeah. <laughs> episodes, five made it to air. You should really look that up on YouTube. That smoke a joint. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, and I remember back when we were talking about it, the other thing about it that is super interesting, too, is that it had, like, some crazy musical guests. Really? Like uh, Black Sabbath or something? Or? Whoa. Alice Cooper. So Alice, Alice Cooper, Cooper uh, Blondie, uh, they, they actually were the Whoa. first n- n- primetime network show to launch the music video. Wow. Crazy. Holy shit. Whoa. 
That's crazy. Crazy. Oh my god. Pink Do you think Jeff. Jeff ever came like like knocked on the producer's doors and was like, I'm holding this thing together. Like it should be called Jeff and Pink Lady. <laughs> oh, that's all a part of it, guys. You could do a whole oh, really? episode on this. Read the oh, thing that god. I said to Dan. You will not yeah, believe. Yeah. Like it is biz- <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Okay, wow. We gotta <laughs> we gotta do that because this yeah, we'll do like a another parter later because this is just a batshit insane. <laughs> I do. I was just looking at the box art though here, and I always felt relieved when the professor would come on screen because it kind of felt like there was a grown up in the room that wouldn't. Yes, get to I agree. <laughs> Thank God, someone who makes sense. Meanwhile, it's actually <laughs> just the same guy, <laughs> Billy Van. I am happy. Like the professor is the one that was talking about like the Leaning Tower of Pisa and how like weights being displaced. Because I learned something there. I was like, that's okay. This is cool. I feel like. Griselda was like in, like super off putting for me. Like anytime Griselda yeah. was on screen, I felt I, was, I shuddered. Like it was there's something not right about Griselda. Do you still do you think the do you think the rap group Griselda got their name from Hilarious House of Fright? hundred percent. I mean, I would not be surprised because they're from Buffalo, so I'm sure <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure Maybe, it touched actually. Buffalo airwaves. Uh, no, it's from the it's from the drug uh, queen pin. <laughs> that, that's what it's from. I was like actually kind of convinced there for a second, and you're like, no, 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 no. It's, it's no. A drug sorry, thing. the first year bubble. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, like Griselda's like such a twisted character. Like it's almost Joker esque. Yeah. Well, and that's why you know you heard about that Griselda reboot standalone. Yeah, Walking right? Phoenix is, is starring as Griselda, the Griselda Orange. Walking Phoenix is Griselda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow and the video game crossover the legend of griselda oh my god guys, no okay oh, no. Um. we need to leave griselda in 1971 she was the most off-putting character by far oh yeah so, yeah easily oh yeah uh and so billy van again who i mentioned earlier uh, and i don't know if i mentioned this particular fact earlier when talking about him uh, he had a book come out recently. Uh, well, I mean, he's long passed away, but uh, someone wrote a biography about him <laughs> recently called Who's the Man? Billy Van. Uh, it actually just came out earlier this year. Sick. <laughs> uh, and apparently in it, uh, yeah, it details uh, Billy Van had like a breakdown, like a mental breakdown, like halfway through filming all of these episodes. And I mean, yeah, that's that's awful, but not surprising. Like, no. It's just like pure exhaustion of having to play like <laughs> yeah. eight different characters and shooting. Like that's Canadian media for you, though, man. Do you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, uh, you're gonna play thirty characters and produce and write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I don't blame the guy, but um, yeah. With and with him dressed as the count with the cape and stuff, and and just how like low budget that was, and and you know how silly of a costume it was, definitely gave me big SETV. Uh, John Candy, uh, like the House of Pancakes uh, 3D horror thing that uh, him and uh, uh, Joe Flaherty would do back in the day. No, there was a lot of that kind of TV back then, too. Like the, you know, I don't know if you remember Fernwood Tonight. That would have been a little bit later um, with Martin Mull, which was quite similar, um, which would have been like early, late 70s, early 80s, I want to say. But yeah, they all sort of like skit comedy that yeah. like, it was so you know like mary hartman mary hartman um soap a lot of the right. like, things posing as serious things um being weird but this was hmm. wow i totally forgot that there was a mini count in this too 
uh, <laughs> soap with uh, with Billy Crystal, right? Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess there was sort of like a sketch boom of that that era as well. I mean, you know, obviously like SNL playing a huge part, but SCTV like we mentioned. But yeah, I guess was did that seep more into like children's programming as well? It it did sort of yeah. Like there was um you know like it was I you know the Electric Company versus Sesame Street. Like Electric right. Company was was very much that it was like an older Sesame Street and it was very you know sketch focused you know, usually with morals or something to learn. But yeah, like it, it was a crazy, you know, sort of time that way. Um, I'm trying to think of other kids examples, but those, that's the only one that really comes to mind. And then there was like a short lived show, show called Zoom. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I remember the variety show was still firmly in the kids uh, category. So, you know, you'd have a musical guest and a cartoon and then a live segment. Yeah, which I guess is skip based too. So yeah, it was, right. it was everywhere. I think that's one thing that I do really love about that era and like earlier television too. It's just, I, I'm a sucker for a variety show, like when executed well. And you'd think it would like survive in a, in a digital like space as well, just because you could cut up those segments and, and upload them. But outside of like late night, there isn't really any variety show. I think that's what you just stated. I think that's exactly why they don't exist because right. all those things. They don't get packaged together even to begin with. They're just already disseminated separately. So, yeah, you know, you'll see your comedy sketches from, you know, those guys that you like, for example, Aiden. Uh, please don't, ben. please don't destroy. Yeah. 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 Those guys. And then if you want music, like there are ways to find music. So there's no reason right. to have it all together anymore. But uh, I remember when we were kids, I think sketch was, you know, and, and these trends, they, they come and go, they're cyclical and, uh, you know, the variety show slash sketch show was really big when we were kids too, Aiden, with uh, the uh, Amanda Bynes show, but also uh, all that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like around the time when Whose Line Is It Anyway was like at their at its peak in, in the U.S. also. So, yeah. And Mad yeah. TV. Like and for Mad, Mad you know. TV. Mm-hmm. I remember it being really big when we were young. And, and you're right. It's, that That's not the case anymore. Yeah. It's just funny that this is like. A Halloween themed sketch show, almost. Which it, you'd think the like uh, the theme of it would get old, but uh, yeah, ooh. and it does, uh, and it does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind. All right. Well, as we begin to wrap up the podcast, we usually move things into a little game here at the pod. We like to call "The Price Is Bad," in which we have Aiden and our very special guest guess the Rotten Tomato meter score of the show that we just watched. But I don't know that this is on Rotten Tomatoes, so let me just check that out real quick. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> I hope it is, and I hope people are still reviewing it. <laughs> so there's no score, because I guess there's only just one review. There's one oh. review by R. Horvitz, and it says, greatest show ever produced. Oh, man. If you, okay. if you have any McDonald's toys, let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Mitchell Markowitz. Again, super nice guy. Just uh, he's got a, a quite oh, Markowitz, sorry. Apologies. There. Yeah. Okay, so the one review is, is from Michael Szymanski, and it's from October 15th. Uh, 2005. So almost, oh. uh, yeah, to to the day, uh, many years ago. But um, yeah, he said, "Poor Vincent Price took a sad career turn in the 1970s." Score D. <laughs> That's wow. it. That's all it says. So, yeah, don't don't hang it on Vincent Price. 
He's a consummate professional. They paid him. He flew to Hamilton for four days. He was days. there for four days and then <laughs> nine months yeah. of production. Yeah. The only yeah. reason he did it, apparently, was he wanted to do something his grandkids could watch. Oh. Vincent Price was a good grandpa. <laughs> Pussy was, like, really stoked about the spaghetti and champagne party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine Vincent Price is your grandpa. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Just like, oh, hello, kids. Hi, kids. <laughs> I'm me, going on tour with cool. Alice Cooper. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, there's no score, so I guess we can't play the game. But we can give it our own rating, maybe, and uh, close with some final thoughts. Uh, Quincy, on uh, out of 100, what would you give the hilarious House of Frightenstein? And what are your, your final thoughts? Uh, I'm I'm going to give it like a solid – I'm going to give it – a 65. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a passing grade. It's groundbreaking and it's campy, but it loses 35 points because it scares the shit out of me to this day. <laughs> so that's why. Fair enough. That's a, that's a good reason. Uh, Aiden, thoughts? Ooh, if, if they made each episode like 20 minutes, this could be like, a 60 for me just for the same reasons Quincy said like it's very campy and very silly and you know if you are stoned it definitely helps but man 47 minutes of this is tough <laughs> um, so I'm going to give it a 4-7 in honor of that 47 mm, okay okay yeah uh, I am I am I'm going to be honest here and yeah I'm going to give it like a 30 or something uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to rank it pretty low also for the same reason Aiden it's just way too long it's it's definitely dated I can appreciate it for what it is for sure uh, and that 30 um, you know the, the points that it is scoring is because of some some kind of snappy jokes every once in a while yeah there was a, there was a moment where they're like uh, the Count and uh, Igor were like answering calls and mm-hmm. uh, the phone rings he picks it up and he goes uh you don't say, you don't say, you don't say. And then he just hangs up and the other guy's like, who is that? He says, he didn't say. <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's just good. That's like vaudeville humor right there. But like, I love it. Uh, so, you know, they had, they had a couple of good jokes here and there, but uh, not enough to uh, make it uh, watchable for anyone uh, in this century. I don't think. Um, but, you know, it's on YouTube. If you guys want to check it out. Uh, in the meantime, just want to thank uh, our special guest, Quincy Raby, for being on the show. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And uh, and thank you to the listener uh, for sticking it out this long. Uh, we've got one last Halloween episode coming up, which is uh, our big Halloween finale. So be sure to check it out next Saturday. Aiden and I are going to be talking about uh, the most scared we've ever been while watching TV. So, you know, you're not going to want to miss that. And uh, Aiden, moment of zen. What, what do you got? All right, guys. To save everybody the 47 minutes of their life, I'm going to teach our listeners something I learned this episode of House of Frightenstein. And these are some 10 facts about otters. So I'm just going to read some 10 facts. <laughs> keep them in your back pocket. All right. One, 13 different species of otter exist all over the world. Some are small river otters and some are bigger sea otters. So the sea otters that live in the ocean are bigger. of all sea otters live on the coast of Alaska. Did not know that. I bet you didn't either. 
Three, they're hungry animals, exclamation mark. Sea otters eat 25% of their body weight and food every day. Me too, especially on Halloween. You know what I'm saying? Number four, they like to eat sea urchins, clams, mussels, and crabs. Delicious. They use their sea whiskers to find small creatures to eat and their paws to dig for clams. Five, clever creatures, they'll use rocks to crack open the clams. They carry rocks and store food in the loose skin under their armpits. Me too, especially during Halloween, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Who needs carrier eggs? (laughs) Unlike most marine animals, they don't have a layer of blubber, but they do have the thickest fur of all animals. I literally, that is shocking. I did not know that. (laughs) Baby otters are called pups. Child's play, we all knew that. Newborn pups need lots of attention and will stay close to their mums until they developed enough skills to go it alone. Man, sounds like me in high school, you know what I'm saying? Usually at six months is when they uh, they go out it alone. Uh, number eight, an otter's pup's fur is too dense for it to swim underwater, so their mother leaves them floating while they search for food until their adult fur grows in. Number nine, don't challenge an otter to a holding your breath competition, guys. Don't do it. Sea otters can stay underwater for five minutes, and river otters can hold their breath for even longer. Eight minutes, you guys. (laughs) And finally, number ten, otters like to stick together. So when they sleep, they will wrap themselves in in seaweed and float together in a group. Isn't that cute? A group of resting otters is called a raft. That's very silly. We wouldn't go drifting away on one of those rafts, however. (laughs) Otters have a nasty bite. There you go. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. We love you. Bye.